Uh, greetings, uh, my name's Adam Draycott and you're watching the online ministry from Inverell Anglican Church. Uh, this has been prepared for the 10th of September 2023. Our sentence of scripture comes from Psalm 86. It is a prayer that cries, Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer us. Save your servants who trust in you. Be gracious to us, O Lord, for to you do we cry all the day long. Now let's pray. Lord God, help us to seek the values that will bring us lasting joy in this ever-changing world. In our desire for what you promised, make us one in mind and heart. We pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh, let's enter into a time of praise. Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, King of creation. Oh, my soul, praise him for
As we come to the ministry of God's Word, we continue our series in the book of Daniel. Uh, Today we're chewing off two chapters, Daniel chapter 4 and 5, and also Psalm 75. Now, if you're in church, uh, please uh, have a look at the bulletin that came with the link to this video, and there you'll find appropriate readings for your church service. Let's pray. Our loving Father, help us to use this time well as we open up your word in Daniel chapter 4 and 5. Speak to our hearts by your Holy Spirit. Um, Show us the wonder of the gospel. Um, Lead us in the way of repentance and faith that we live as your people and so glorify you. Again, we ask for your help in Jesus' name. Amen. You've seen the TV ad, Compare the Pair. Uh, superannuation I think it is here we have a pair a pair of uh, stories about two Babylonian kings chapter 4 Nebuchadnezzar chapter 5 Belshazzar both are filled with pride because of their imperial power both get a warning from God one gets a dream the other gets divine graffiti Which one would you prefer? (laughs) Both ask Daniel to interpret and both are told, humble yourself before God. And both kings resist. Um, There is a lot that is the same, but notice what is different. See, Nebuchadnezzar II, under him, Babylon's never been greater. Military conquests, building projects, think the uh, hanging gardens of Babylon. This is a world superpower. In chapter 4.22, we get a taste of it. Daniel says, Your majesty, you've become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches to the sky and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. This is really something. But we know that there's a problem because he's been warned by God. He's been warned about his pride. How does the saying go? Pride goes before the fall. That's scripture. That's Proverbs 16, 18. It's this misplaced confidence in oneself. Only to realize that you're not as good or as clever as you thought you were. And then it goes pear-shaped. God hates pride because it challenges his sovereignty and questions his will, his goodness, and his ways. He hates it. C.S. Lewis said about pride, There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone loathes when they see it in someone else, and which hardly any people ever imagine they are guilty of themselves. It was pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. That's pride according to C.S. Lewis. And so Daniel offers counsel, verse 27. Your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right. And does he do, does he renounce his sins? Does he repent? Verse 29, 12 months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, He said, is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? Wow. (laughs) 
Wow. Oh. Wayne Bennett said of Wendell Saylor that he fell in love a long, long time ago and has remained ever faithful to himself ever since. <laughs> there is some serious self-confidence in the words of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, chapter 4, verse 33. We'll keep going. So how does it go? And how does God respond? Well, God humbles Nebuchadnezzar. Immediately, what had been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people and ate grass like the ox. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle and his nails like claws of a bird. This is just as God promised in the dream. Nebuchadnezzar has had a couple of engagements with God now, Daniel's God, but we've seen it hasn't swayed his love for the Babylonian gods and it hasn't swayed his love of self either. And this is the problem with idolatry. It's to remove and replace God from his rightful place. You become less than who God intends you to be. In fact, instead of rightly imaging God, you become that which you worship. Did you know that? It's a symptom of idolatry. Psalm 115 tells us that God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But the idols are silver and gold made by humans. And these idols have hands but cannot feel, feet but cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. And then verse 8, Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in idols. And so that Nebuchadnezzar, becomes an animal, tells us that he worships created things, not the creator. I hope you see that. Hear it again. We are what we worship. We're meant to image God. We're meant to worship God as his image bearers. But idolatry makes us less than what God intends us to be. Okay, we don't bow down to statues of trees and animals. There are other things that we bow down to. Greed, covet covetedness. That's idolatry. Uh, the love of money is idolatry. Idolatry is a worldly commitment that pulls you away from our first love. Idolatry is trusting in something other than God for your security and your happiness. Do we make sacrifices every day to our idols? What consumes your thoughts, your talk, your time, your resources? What do you spend it all on? Is it your roses? Your football team? That special someone, do they consume all your time and thinking and energy? Your health? 
Maybe it's your dream job or your dream car or your dream home or your dream whatever your next toy is. I don't know. Humans are worshippers. It's what we do. And our worship exposes us and changes us. And so we either revere the world and are conformed to the sinful patterns of the world, or we revere God and we are progressively conformed to the likeness of his Son. Yeah, let's do that. If we are what we worship, then yeah, we want to be more and more like Jesus, don't we? So we must worship him. So who hold, who or what holds the affections of your heart? What we worship is either aimed at our ruin or it's aimed at our restoration. And one is a path to hell and the other is the trajectory of heaven. All right, we just saw Nebuchadnezzar behaving like an animal. What about Belshazzar? Well, chapter 5, verse 1, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles and drank wine with them while Belshazzar was drinking his wine. He gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem so that the king and his nobles, his wives, his concubines might drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple of God in Jerusalem and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from them. And as they drank the wine, they praised the gods of gold and silver and of bronze, iron, wood and stone. This is a great banquet. A thousand people, a thousand nobles, add to that list their wives, add to that list their concubines. So that's a lot of blokes and that's lots and lots and lots and lots of women. And what else is there a lot of? Well, six times in four verses, you're told they're drinking. Drinking, 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 drinking. Lots of inhibitions. Uh, <laughs> go on here, right? And notice verse 4, the praise of other gods coupled with the ridicule of the true and living God. Now they're mocking God. What do you make of this scene? Are we meant to look at this scene and see them carrying on like a bunch of animals? If Nebuchadnezzar was Babylon's high point, which I absolutely think he was, you're going to see Belshazzar is as low as it gets. Not just because of the party. I mean, this is four kings after Nebuchadnezzar. All right, and now you're triggered. You're going, oh, father, son. No, no. When you read father or son, the Hebrew also means descendant or ancestor. Okay, so chill. Belshazzar's dad by the way. So uh, Belshazzar's dad is Nabonidus, and he's actually the king. But he's off in, west, uh, off in the west in Arabia, and he's left his son, Belshazzar, to serve as regent in the capital city. But again, uh, there's no problems with the words here. Uh, king can mean regent. And this night... 
brings the collapse of the Babylonian Empire. All right? I told you it, was, it gets worse. It's, it, this is terrible. We go from high point to the lowest point. Have you seen the movie Downfall? This is a movie that offers an account of Hitler's last few days bunkered down in Berlin. Right. And the Allies and the Russians are all, they're all about to kick down the door. But you know what's happening in the bunker? Oh, they're having parties. Uh, and there's music and there's dancing and there's lots of drinking. And Hitler's there exerting his power, handing out promotions, uh, dishing out orders, uh, obstinate to the end. Critics were in uproar about this movie. Do you know why? They said this movie made a monster seem more human. Which is ironic and more than a little twisted that the monster is deemed to be more human uh, by his pride. His obstinate pride. And that's a lot like this moment in Daniel chapter 5. Because in Daniel 5, this party is in full swing, right? But who's outside waiting to kick down the door? It's the Medes and the Persians. There's uh, an historic account where the Medes and the Persians, they're coming, and they've even rerouted the Euphrates River so that they can have a better run at hitting the city. And when they actually do hit the city, they do it at night. While what? Oh, while the festivities are being enjoyed. So says these other stories. And so they take the city virtually uncontested. We know everyone is. They're in the party. <laughs> and of course, uh, this can even be dated. If you want to put a date on this, it's mid-October in the year 539 BC. That's right. You can put a date on it. The fall of the Babylonian Empire. This is also a reminder Daniel chapter 4, verse 32. That God is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and he gives them to whoever he wishes. And here he's given it to the Medo-Persians. But it gets worse. Why does it get worse? How can it be any worse? Well, let me tell you. It gets worse because Belshazzar should know. What do you mean? Well, look at chapter 5, verse 18. Right? Verse 18, your majesty, the most high God, gave you gave your father, Nebuchadnezzar, sovereignty and greatness and glory and splendor. We, we talked about that. Because of the high position he gave him, all the nations and peoples of every language dreaded and feared him. Those the king wanted to put to death, he put to death. Those he wanted to spare, he spared. Those he wanted to promote, he promoted. Those he wanted to humble, he humbled. But when his heart became arrogant and hardened with pride... He was deposed from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven away from people and given the mind of an animal. He lived with the wild donkeys and ate grass like the ox. And his body was drenched with the dew of heaven until he acknowledged that the Most High God is sovereign over all kingdoms and earth 
and sets over them anyone he wishes. And now here it is. Look, here it is. See verse 22. But you, Belshazzar, here it is. Your, his, his son, his descendant, you've not humbled yourself. Though you knew all this. Oh my goodness. You knew all this. Verse 23. Instead, you have set yourself up against the Lord of heaven. You had the goblets from his temple brought to you. And you and your nobles, your wives, your concubines, you drank wine with them. You praised the gods of silver, gold and bronze, iron, wood and stone, which cannot see or hear or understand. But you did not honour the God who holds in his hand your life and all his ways. See it again, verse 22. Dude, you knew this. See, it's not like God turns up and says, you're in trouble, you've been bad, I smite thee. Right? He knew this. You know God turned up in history. You know the true and living God revealed himself and showed himself and spoke and warned. Such is God's patience and love, right? That's all of his love, that he would reveal himself. And so it should be plain to you. But instead, well, well he's gone and suppressed the truth about God. He squashed it down. He's made less of it. This is Romans chapter 1, isn't it? Although he knows the truth about God, he does not glorify God. He does not give thanks to God. No, he's actually ridiculing God. He's thinking he is futile and foolish. His heart is darkened and he's exchanged the truth about God for a lie. Romans chapter 1 again, right? And as Christians... We know our Lord Jesus has turned up in history, don't we? We know the Lord has shown himself, that he's spoken, he's warned, he's loved, he's healed, he died, he rose again. Such is God's love. It should be plain to you. Yet so many want to suppress the truth and squash it down and make less of it and ignore it. And they will exchange this truth for a lie. It's like those girls on American pickers. American, you've seen people travel around the states uh, looking to exchange and haggle and swap treasures, trash. Well, here it is. Humanity has come to the haggle of the century. And they've traded the most precious thing in the world, the glory of God, for something that is completely worthless. We would never do that, would we? Trade a relationship with God for a relationship with something infinitely less. The God who loves you, that would be dumb. Romans says you are trading the glory of God for something that is infinitely less. And how does God feel about such rebellion? God is angry. Like Romans 1, the wrath of God is being revealed. God's judgment is right on their doorstep here. The writing is literally on the wall. It really is. Verse 24, many, many tackle parson. And this is what it means. Verse 26, your days are numbered. Verse 27, you've been weighed and found wanting. Verse 28, your kingdom's done. Split up and will pass to another. And verse 30, that very night, Belshazzar, king of Babylon, was slain. And Darius the Mede took over the kingdom 
at the age of 62. As we compare the pair, the outcome for Nebuchadnezzar is quite different to Belshazzar. One eventually humbles himself before God, the other does not. Nebuchadnezzar, in verse 34, chapter 4, will lift his eyes to heaven and he'll praise the God of the Most High. And as he start, does, his humanity returns to him and he is restored as king, which just goes to show to be truly human is to be truly worshipping God, which is a shame the movie critics didn't know that. Let me say that again, to be truly human is to truly worship God. Belshazzar, judgment beckons, but he's like business as usual. He still thinks he's king enough to hand out royal clothing and gifts and promotions. He's not humble before God, and he's that very night he's dead. He's a dead man. And Babylon's no more. As we compare the pair, do we see one is a story of judgment and the other is a story of grace and do we know that the gospel is also a story of judgment yet also a story of grace let me say that when it comes to grace first base is knowing that on my own i'm under god's wrath i'm an object of god's judgment First base in becoming a Christian is to know my sin before God, my poverty, my depravity, my guilt before a pure and holy God. God is king, not me. That's first base. First base means being humble before our Creator. To come to Him and pray and say, Lord, I am sorry. I've lived like I know better than you. Strip me of my pride and my overconfidence, my self-sufficiency and my arrogance. It's to acknowledge, chapter 4, verse 37, that everything God does, that his ways are right and just. Humility is to know that we're desperate for God's mercy. But such is God's love he meets our need for mercy through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection. In Jesus, we can be forgiven for our failures. In Jesus, we can be forgiven for our pride, for our love of self, our failure to love God, our failure to love our fellow humans, as God calls us to. And so these books remind us that the writing is on the wall. For everybody, our days are numbered. We will be all weighed and when we are, we'll be found wanting. But in Jesus, grace means that he stands on the scales in my place, that his earthly days are cut short, that he's forsaken, so I need never be. That all that Jesus has secured, only comes to us, though, only has value as we run to first base and recognise and confess our need. Otherwise, all that remains is judgment. 
And so Jesus came the first time to save. But the scriptures promises, promises us that Jesus will return. And such is God's patience and love. He tells us plainly the writing is on the wall. So we can't ever say, oh, I didn't know. Here it is again. Jesus is coming back. And we need to be ready. Maybe our response to that, firstly, might be to get on our, I'll be right, I'll get on the scales, and you'll be weighed. And if that is your response, please hear this strong encouragement. Please turn to Christ and live. You don't, you don't need to do that. There is another way, a better way. Don't be blind and obstinate like Belshazzar. If you're not right with God by faith in Jesus, it cannot be business as usual. We cannot be overconfident or flippant with God. He's not flippant with us. He sent his son. The second response, I pray, and I, I, it's just to say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, you stood on the scales, that you did this in my place, and you took all this for me. And if that's true, well, maybe like Neb, this should lead to lives of praise and honour and glory and gratitude to God, our Saviour, for his love and kindness to us. Amen. i
be our stay Give us eyes to see you answer prayer this day Hear us praise all you've done We rejoice as we receive the victory Come to a time of prayer. A blue screen will show uh, on in a minute, and that will offer you prayer points uh, that I commend to you. Also, in our bulletin, you'll see our prayer focus for this week. Uh, please intentionally pray about SRE and a youth group. Our youth muster is coming in November. Please be praying about that as well, and please pray for the ministry of MU who seek to serve. Uh, our families in our community and promote uh, Christian households. Uh, our mission partner for this month is BCA. It is time to return your BCA, BCA boxes, please. Uh, and also be praying about the ministry of Bush Church Aid. Um, it's all about aid to the church in the bush providing biblically faithful ministry and bringing a life-changing gospel message of Jesus to rural, regional and remote Australia. So let's commit that valuable ministry uh, to prayer.
Uh, let me close with the words of this blessing. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, uh, keep our hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit uh, be amongst us and remain with us always. Amen.